I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Dirk with the back. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, and joining me today. He's a doctor, so we don't have to say Twitter doctor. It's Brian Sutterer. He's going to be joining me in just a little bit. But before we get to Brian and talk about all the injuries from Porzingis' knee to Luka's ankle, we'll get into Dorian Vinny-Smith's hip a little bit as well. Bunch of injuries, so I wanted to bring on an actual doctor to talk about what is going on with this Mavericks team. But before we get to that, just wanted to update everybody on what's going on in the NBA. As far as we know, I'm recording this late on Thursday night. And so, as we know of right now, there was a Board of Governors meeting on Thursday. There was a player Association meeting on Thursday. Players, I guess, are meeting again. Uh, The players have decided to resume the season. So they were hoping games would potentially be picked back up on Friday as you're listening to this, but that doesn't seem like the case as well. Uh, That doesn't seem to be the case right now. Uh, The Rockets-Thunder game is going to resume on Saturday. So Brad Townsend of Dallas Morning News thinks that the Mavs-Clippers game will likely be Sunday. Brad's in the bubble, so I think he has some information on this. But it seems like Mavs-Clippers game six will be Sunday. So we'll have a post-game pod after that up for Monday morning. So business as usual for us if the game, you know, plays as, as we expect to. So that's what we have going on with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, for the NBA, though, the stoppage, the you know boycott, the strike, whatever you want to call it. Shamsharania says, in the players and owners meeting, players challenge owners to be proactive, not reactive to social justice changes, create actions, not simply financial commitment. So it sounds like the NBA players want owners to do a little bit more, to not just be, you know, say, oh, we'll just throw money at it and not do anything else. They want them to be proactive instead of reactive to some of these changes. And so... The, the players are calling the owners out a little bit. And then the NBA and the Players Association, they'll create new programs to work on player-created initiatives on a daily basis. So more things like LeBron's, you know, more than a vote initiative, different things. Uh, Chris Paul said that he got all of the Oklahoma City Thunder players registered to vote. So different things like that. It seems like they're taking some action now. So the players decided that they didn't want to play, you know, on Wednesday and, and Thursday as well. And they decided they wanted to make some action steps. So it seems like they are trending in that way, which I think is positive. All of this is definitely positive. You know, it's all just going towards getting more people to vote, which is good. Getting more people to be proactive and, you know, definitely donate money to causes and things, but also to help enact change. And if there's a person out there that doesn't want change, right? I mean, that doesn't want to enact change. Now, maybe it's not the type of change that you want, but change, you know, for the better change to you know help people from suffering and things like that i can't imagine somebody not wanting to do that so that's it seems like what the players association and the the owners came up with as far as marcus morris by the way uh brad townsend you know reported that not that they're not take the nba is not taking action on marcus morris for stepping on lucas ankle we all think that it was on purpose But Brad Townsend said, as far as will the NBA take action on it, not from what I was hearing from the league officials yesterday before all hell broke loose when the Bucs walked off the floor. So uh, he also said it's very difficult to prove that Morris did anything intentionally regardless of how it looked. So from the league's perspective, you know, Brad thinks that they weren't going to do anything even before all the NBA stopped. And then now once it's, you know, the the boycott, the strike, whatever you want to call it, 
Uh, it doesn't seem like the NBA is going to take any action on Marcus Morris. So if you're questioning that still, if you still thought that that was something that could happen, uh, it seems like that's not going to be the case. So, all right, we want to get to Brian Sutter. So I want to give him as much time as possible. So coming up, we're here from Brian Sutter about all the Mavericks injuries and talk all about that. But before we do, you guys know it. We love it. Built Bar. They're delicious. They're even more deliciouser now. They have 18 incredible flavors, six new ones that you didn't get the first time around. So caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, incredible new flavors for Built Bar. We have listeners that are reaching out to us saying that they got the new ones. They love them. They're new. They're improved. They're just a slightly different shape, which... I don't know if you're a texture person, maybe the shape of the bar affects the way that it tastes to you. Uh, if that's the case and you didn't necessarily like it the first time, try it again because they changed it up a little bit. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Apparently, they're not as chewy as they were the first time. So if you had a problem with how chewy they were, they have improved that as well. They're awesome. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. All those things are good, right? All those things are positive things. Great for a keto diet. Incredible amounts of protein in all of them, such low carbs in all the in all the different bars. And right now, with your purchase while supplies last, you can get a free cooler with your purchase. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on, and get ten dollars off your next order. Use the promo code locked on for ten dollars off at builtbar.com. And welcome in. You should know him already friend of the show he's been on a couple times to talk about the various ailments of the dallas mavericks uh great youtube channel brian sutterer brian thanks so much for joining thanks a lot nick appreciate being back brian is a uh an md and so he can actually we, we, a lot of times on twitter we say you know i'm not a doctor but and then we start <laughs> saying a whole bunch of stuff brian can, yeah. doesn't have to say the but right <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so he can say all the stuff that matters. So I wanted to bring Brian on and talk about Porzingis' knee, Luca's ankle, all kinds of other injuries that are affecting the Mavericks and exactly what we should be expecting and kind of make sense of this. So, Brian, let's start with Porzingis. So sure. Porzingis' injuries are, are kind of mounting up at this point, right? I mean, he had that left knee ACL injury that kept him out for 20 months. Probably didn't have to be that long. The Mavericks probably could have played him at the end there, but kept him out for that long. And then this year, he started dealing with some right knee soreness. Back in you know December, 20, December 29th, 2019, he landed awkwardly during a Lakers game, and he missed 10 games after that, 10 straight games. And then he had like a plasma injection, and then he came back and missed seven non-consecutive games to end the season, dealing with that right knee soreness. And now we're, he's missed two games in the playoffs, dealing with that same right knee soreness. He also has a left heel contusion, which I don't know has anything to do with that. But what is up with this knee soreness? How long? How could they have gone? How could they just keep saying this is knee soreness and not call it a strain or a sprain or something like that? That's my biggest question. I think how can they just keep saying that it's soreness and not an actual injury at this point? Well, I think there's two different possibilities there, and I think each of the possibilities there's kind of one is a better case scenario than the other. So. You know, the first possibility is that they know exactly what the diagnosis is, whether it's, you know, they did an MRI and they saw something on the MRI and said, hey, this is what we're treating. It's not something bad enough to keep him out of playing entirely. It's not something bad enough that needs a surgery. It's just kind of this thing that maybe is lingering. They're trying to treat it. It's not getting better. It kind of flares up. And so that's one possibility that they they clearly have a diagnosis. They just, for whatever reason, 
don't want to share exactly what it is because of, of who knows with, you know, all the kind of challenges with disclosing information about someone's health in the NBA. The other scenario that I think is more concerning, if it's true, is that they really maybe just don't know. I think there certainly is a sense in medicine that we always know exactly what the diagnosis is and we <laughs> always can kind of pinpoint a specific problem and give it a specific name. Yeah, it's the Dr. House totally, syndrome, right? <laughs> yeah, but to be totally honest, there's a lot of times where we just really don't exactly know. Um, you know, that could be something as mild as, well, you know, a guy kind of plays one night, the knee hurts a little bit, nothing's really specific on the exam. A couple days later, it goes away and we just kind of brush it off and say, ah, who really knows he got better? No big worry. But sometimes these things just kind of persist. And you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that you can't really pinpoint on an MRI. You can't do a lab test for, you know, you can use your physical exam and your specific special testing to try to give it your best guess, you know, educated guess in terms of what it is and then treat it for what you think it is. But sometimes we just flat out don't know. And so I think that's more concerning if they really don't have a specific diagnosis. You know, we heard about the MRI that he had um, recently here at the bubble. And the report we got basic was, was basically just nothing that would rule him out. <laughs> so they're not saying totally normal MRI. They basically just say nothing that's ruling him out. So that either means it looked really good, but his knee still hurts, or maybe there is still something there that they just don't want to disclose. So it, it's hard. It's got to be frustrating for Mavericks fans because I mean, he's a kind of approaching this zone of being labeled injury prone. Yeah. And it, and it has to be good that it's not the left knee with the ACL injury, right? It has to be good that it's the, the other knee, or would you say otherwise? Um, I think it would depend. You know, there are certain things that uh, whenever you have an ACL repair, you know, you can kind of be more at risk of in the long run. I, I think it's kind of indifferent. You know, it's good that he's not having continued pain or like continued soreness in the left knee because that might have been the sign of something just from the initial injury that never really got better. So I think, you know, the fact that his left knee feels pretty good is is certainly a good sign. But I mean, this is something that, I mean, who knows where the end is for this right knee soreness. Yeah, it's kind of one of those questions. Would you rather have like two hurt knees or just one knee that hurts like really bad all the time? Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, in some in some cases, it's almost nice to be able to say, oh, look, there's a torn meniscus. This clearly explains your pain. You know, we're going to do this procedure. We're going to treat it. We're going to move on. But when you're stuck in this kind of back and forth of, gosh, you know, we maybe it's this. Let's try to treat it this way. Maybe it's that we rest it. The pain comes back. I mean, it can be really frustrating for everybody, especially someone like Porzingis, who maybe doesn't know what's going on with his knee. It just keeps hurting. <laughs> yeah, interesting. So Rick Carlisle has said, you know, he's answered the question about KP's knee probably four times a day since they entered the bubble. And he just kind of got fed up with it and said, basically, look, like he he is still dealing with his injury. He really wants to play. And we just don't think that, that he can play. I, I think it's really interesting that he's still saying that it's sore and that, but he wants to play like what's stopping him from just hiding that it's sore. Right. And then just going out yeah. and playing. It's just, it's a very interesting situation to me to have, you know, a player that wants to play so badly. And the only thing that's holding him back, you know, medically is, is soreness and just like without, they'd only know that from him feeling that right. It, you wouldn't be able to tell if he was sore right outside of him saying he was, you might be able to tell actually just, I mean, these, this medical staff, I'm sure, has watched these guys for so long that they can scrutinize every little tiny movement and pick up on when somebody's maybe moving a little bit different. You know, I mm. think there's even teams that are 
doing like regular, um, you know, 3D kind of biomechanic analyses on their players. And if they see <laughs> different metrics that kind of start to shift over time, it clues them in that, oh, hey, maybe, you know, maybe these hip stabilizers are getting a little bit weak. We can see that knee is starting to cave in a little bit when you land. Maybe hmm. it's a sign that you're getting a little more fatigued. Your muscles are kind of weakening a little bit. So we need to target that. So it actually wouldn't surprise me at all if the medical staff, as good as they are with the Mavs, are able to pick up on little kind of nuances in his movement or in his game that make them think, gosh, you know, do you, do you feel right? Does the knee bother you? And then, well, yeah, it is kind of a little bit sore. They probably are kind of putting multiple pieces together beyond just him saying, Hey, it hurts. And they say, Oh, okay, well rest. (laughs) Could there be any inflammation or anything in there that they could tell it would be sore? There certainly could be. And an MRI should show if there is, you know, certainly kind of a a moderate enough of uh, inflammation there. But then the question is, well, if there's inflammation or irritation or whatever, why is it there? Um, And that, you know, the differential is so wide open. I mean, we don't even know if this is I think people are treating this as if it's like a joint problem, because when you think knee, you kind of think of knee joint. But this could very well be something like a a jumper's knee tendinopathy kind of thing that is just lingering like we saw with Kawhi Leonard. So we really don't even know, you know, is this a bony problem? Is this the joint? Is this the ligament? Is this the muscle? There's so many different possibilities for just knee soreness, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it could be anything. But but the crazy part is if, if, if somebody was able to just ask Porzingis, hey, where does it hurt? Like, points where the pain is you could you could narrow things down pretty quickly but even then you still have a lot that they have to consider interesting and maybe that's why they've been so cautious about if he pointed to a certain spot that was like oh man we should really take this seriously at at this point yep um so rick carlisle also said that he's been working around the clock with casey smith and the trainers and the medical staff what does working around the clock mean like what are they doing with his knee like what is he doing the like resistance band stuff as he like what do you think that they would be doing with him around the clock that sounds wild to me yeah and i think that probably gets exaggerated a little bit (laughs) um whenever they talk about you know i I doubt that these guys are in the training room for eight hours a day there's a wide range of things that can be done and certainly you know not being an athletic trainer it's hard to really specific on all those but just kind of different modalities is one of the big things you know there's a lot of um like different kind of ultrasound based therapies there's this kind of laser therapy machine that's kind of been more famous down in the bubble if you've seen some players getting this like red laser light therapy and so there's a lot of different what we call modalities that are like physical hands-on tools that in different studies have been shown to try to help reduce things like inflammation promote tissue healing um you know like what luca was going through i'm sure he was getting a lot of very like manual hands-on therapy with these different machines and devices trying to reduce swelling, improve stiffness, kind of promote healing. Um, And so that's probably kind of the biggest piece of it when they say he's kind of in the training room all day, because those are things that, you know, you need the tools, you need the devices, you need somebody kind of administering that therapy. But I doubt it's that he's sitting in there doing like resistance band training for six hours a day, um, (laughs) because at some point, I mean, that takes time, you kind of exhaust the muscles. So it's probably a lot of just manual hands-on therapy, stretching, icing, kind of those physical modalities to try to improve the pain, reduce the soreness, reduce any inflammation, reduce any swelling, to try to just get the knee in a better sort of environment for healing and promoting, you know, not having pain there. 
Interesting. Man, lasers and ultrasounds and 3D mapping, yeah. like the, the medical field is wild right I, you now. You know, it's it's honestly stuff I'm trying to learn about more because kind of in, in you know, medical school or residency, you don't really get a lot of training in kind of that aspect of um, theoretical kind of or hands experimental on, kind of hands on care. It really is so heavy with like the athletic training staff. Um and so it's a lot of really interesting theoretical stuff about, you know, how, how the tissues heal and reducing swelling and um, stuff that there's no like clear consensus on. But a lot of it is very safe. And so if it's safe, you know, you, you try these different things, you know. Exactly. All right. Coming up, I want to talk more about Luka Doncic, potentially talk about Dorian and his hip injury. But obviously, Luka's ankle, one of the things we're concerned about the most with the Mavericks. We'll talk to Brian about that coming up. All right, Brian, so we know Luka Doncic had a right ankle sprain back in December. He missed four games. He dealt with that right ankle sprain again, you know, uh, back in January and February of 2020. He missed six games for that. And then now he has this left ankle sprain, and he's been questionable for all these games. He looked like he was moving really badly. He injures the ankle. It's not bad enough to keep him out of the game, so he goes back in. He doesn't look great, and then he doesn't finish the rest of the game. I mean, we've just been dealing with all these ankle injuries. So you had some pretty good stuff in your in the the video that you posted about Luca talking about how he's he's dealing with this and how he um, you know can help some of these ankle injuries. And Steph Curry missed a bunch of games at the beginning of his career with ankle injuries. So where should Luka Doncic go at this point to try and prevent some of these ankle injuries? Well, first off, you know I think certainly within the Mavs community, fan community, there's a lot of credit being given to that training staff, but. I mean, you talk about a heroic effort to get him back to shape to where he was able to play and drop that performance. I mean, that was just unreal. Um, Totally blew me away to think that he was able to come back and do that. And that is in part his work, but also extreme credit to that training staff. The challenging part for him going forward, you know, a lot of this idea of how we, you know, how Steph Curry was able to kind of turn his career around and prevent these ankle injuries it's all about training the what we call like dynamic postural control and dynamic balance control. So whenever Luca injured his ankle most recently, if you could see one of the kind of front view clips, he lands and Kawhi Leonard basically incidentally hits his knee. And it's that knocking of his knee that sort of shifts his whole lower leg. And if you don't have good, strong hip muscles to stabilize the leg, you don't have quick reaction of your muscles to stabilize your ankle your ankle just flops over and so there's not very much emphasis kind of traditionally put on training the muscle groups outside of and away from the ankle so what steph curry was able to do was really work on his balance improving his hip strength improving his core strength and those effects sort of trickle down to help benefit the ankles and we know from research that it works it's some of the most effective ways to not only rehab ankle injuries but also prevent recurrent ankle sprains is to do these dynamic postural training exercises. The hard part is it takes time. It takes time to develop those pathways. It takes time to train those muscles to not only be strong, but to also fire at the exact right time when you need them to fire. So it's something that, you know, in all honesty, is he going to be able to make a big dent on during the playoffs? Probably not just because of the frequency of playing and the time this takes, but certainly during this off season, this is going to have to be a big focus for him and for the training staff to really make sure he's doing these additional exercises and rehab to kind of look away from the ankle and strengthen everything else higher up in his body. Does the amount of game, the amount of games obviously has been affecting, you know, him and 
being having to play every other day and things like that. He he didn't look too great during game five. Um, but will this kind of um, will this kind of layoff be helpful to him? What is a an ankle injury like? How does it respond to being you know used this frequently? What is what is going to be the biggest help for him like immediately? I think the layoff is certainly going to help. You know, it's he even said himself that there was so much just raw emotion and adrenaline going that first game back that. <laughs> He felt terrible that morning when he woke up. And as soon as he got on the court, everything kind of faded away. And that's 100% true. And so, you know, now that that first game, adrenaline kind of wore off, the next game back, they're getting killed. And so it's, you know, you're kind of focusing on all these bad things even more. So I think certainly the layoff is going to help him because it's going to allow more of that swelling to calm down. It's going to give those tissues more time to heal. But actually, it's beneficial to move the tissues to help stimulate some healing. You just don't want to move them in a way that causes them to get excessively stretched. And so that's always the risk when you come back early is that, you know, you're fine until you're not fine. (laughs) Um, And so thankfully, you know, he didn't look like he injured it anymore, you know, in that next game back. And that's why you try to tape it and wear these braces. Um, So I think overall, this little bit of a layoff is certainly helpful for his ankle right now. A couple of people have messaged me or, you know, you know, mentioned me on Twitter and said, you know, why is Luca not wearing braces? Because it seems like they've decided to do tape instead of braces. Do you have any insight onto the decision to do one or the other? If it were me, I would want him uh, wearing braces. I think, uh, you know, it's, I, I also don't think I can question the decisions of a training staff that has the reputation experience right. of them. <laughs> but, you know, I, if you look at just the, the structural properties of tape, tape stretches and loses its efficacy in like 15, 20 minutes. And so unless they are keeping up with retaping his ankles so frequently that they're able to sort of reapply it and, you know, get fresh tape on there before it, you know, it gets sweaty, it gets wet, it kind of stretches out. And before you know it, at the end of the game, it's completely worthless. There's no doubt at all that wearing some sort of external support helps to prevent ankle sprains. The problem is a lot of these guys, it's uncomfortable. They don't feel like they can move as well. They feel like it kind of slows them down a little bit or just feels too bulky and then messes with their kind of mindset of the game. And so, you know, well, maybe taping is sort of a compromise where he doesn't want to wear a brace, but he's open to taping. And so you just do taping. But (laughs) if it were me, I'd I'd do everything I could to find the most comfortable brace possible to help save his ankles. Um, But, you know, I I also don't think I'm in a place to question the great Casey Smith. (laughs) Oh, man, they've been amazing. We've been we keep trying to tell people like, guys, just have have faith. in Yeah, it's it's definitely they have the best interest, you know, of the Mavs at heart for sure. Um, I want to finish with this. So Dorian Finney Smith has had, you know, he had a left hip strain uh, back in March. I think March 4th was the first time we saw this injury kind of flare up and literally and. Now it's sort of come back, and he's been questionable for most of these playoff games. Um, after the the whole layoff and everything, how can he still be dealing with with hip soreness like this? And what is Dorian Fifth Dorian Finney Smith like dealing with right now? So hip strain implies that it's an injury to the muscle or the tendon unit. A sprain, always think ligament, um, like ACL, ankle ligaments. A strain assuming they're kind of using the correct nomenclature, means muscle injury. And so this tells us that there's some sort of muscle tendon injury in all the different groups of muscles that attach up by the hip that are causing him pain. Now, the kind of number one question after you can sort of treat rehab these types of strains is, well, why did it happen? Did it happen because 
there's some muscle imbalance throughout sort of the different um, muscle regions of his hips and pelvis to where he just keeps putting excessive strain on one particular group of muscles. And that's why it kind of keeps flaring up. Um, and so that's kind of step one, reassess, look at how he's moving, think, okay, is, is there some imbalance here? Is there something we need to correct because one muscle's being overloaded more than the others? And if you just haven't been around the training staff and the people to help look for that, observe that, correct it, then you're kind of stuck because there's certainly no expectation that he would, you know, understand kind of to do that all on his own. Um, it's, you know, it's really hard to say just because we don't know what he would have had access to. Um, I think that certainly is a situation where this layoff is a disadvantage because you really Mm -hmm. maybe need that kind of close supervision and, you know, okay, how's it healing? How are we watching you move? What's different? Um, as opposed to getting right back out there and moving the same way and, and putting the stress on the muscles again and causing things to flare up. Yeah, interesting. I didn't think about, you know, the fact that they wouldn't have access to uh, they probably have, you know, their phone numbers and stuff, but access to medical staff throughout this layoff. Yeah, I mean, when you go from a team that is measuring blood tests from (laughs) pricking you on like a weekly basis to test your stress hormones to your like home Bowflex. I mean, it's with your like nine year old with Dorian. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, trying to do like push ups in your basement and stuff. It's I mean, it's it's really unfortunate that some of those guys didn't have that access. And I'm sure in some cases caused a little bit of a setback. Uh, Actually, last thing I want to talk about. So Dwight Powell, he had an Achilles rupture back on January 22nd. He's seven months out. We know that Wes Matthews came back in seven months, but that's like a Herculean effort for him to come back from an Achilles injury like that. So what what stage is Dwight Powell in right now with his rehab, do you think? Or can you predict and, and what is he dealing with right now? So at seven months out, you would hope that, you know, he's certainly walking, he's running, he's jogging, he's starting to get back into more sort of on-court basketball-type activities. When we think of sort of return to play in any sort of athlete, it's not like you go from being injured to suddenly your sports performance level. There's kind of all these steps in between. And basically, one of those steps is returning to just kind of your activity. So you get back to running, you get back to jogging, you do some jumping, some you know lateral movements. And then after you progress through there, you return to your sport. So now it's okay, I'm on the basketball court. I'm implying these different movements, but in a basketball specific sense. You're still not ready to return because that's sort of your return to performance. So you know I'm doing these movements, I'm running, I'm jogging, I'm jumping. Now I'm doing these on a basketball court in a basketball type setting. And now finally I'm gonna get to the point where I'm truly back to my pre-existing performance level. And so that kind of seven to nine month, you know, going up to a year, hopefully by now he's kind of getting back to walking, some running, maybe getting into some on-court work. But then the next stage and got that last stage is really, okay, we got to get you back to performance where you're doing all these things, but at the level necessary for an NBA player. Yeah. And that's probably why he's in the bubble right now, because he's able to have access to the training staff and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's great that. for him. So, Brian, we appreciate you jumping on and explaining all the stuff that we don't know. Guys, you can go check out Brian on YouTube. We'll put a link in the description of this podcast to his latest video on Luca. You can find him on Twitter. We'll put a link in the description as well for that. And uh, we'll be back after the Mavericks next game if they play this weekend. And if not, we'll be back on Monday. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Boom.